Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prep Phase podcast, the official, unofficial, unofficial, official. I don't even know how to call it at this point, but welcome to the podcast. And it's so good to have you back here with us. As you see, we are from home. I'm Milos, your host for the show, at least for this one. And we're at home, which is good. I really missed my home. But also someone else, uh, something else that I have missed is Mr. Stein Happers, my uh, colleague down here. So Uh how are you doing, Stein? Welcome to the fine. podcast, friend of the show. Thank you. Thank you. I've been here once before with Ace. Uh, last one we did with Doki uh, as the interviewee. So uh, excited to be back for a new one, especially with, of course, the major that we had and some massive changes coming to the game. Yep. And I'm so happy to, to have you here with me. It'll be both of us guiding through things or guiding everybody through things today. There's a lot of things to talk about. And the highlight or the kind of goal of this podcast will be to talk about the changes that have happened, I guess, when it comes to Rainbow Six as a game itself, to rosters, to leagues in general, because there's a lot of, I guess, interregional mixing that is happening even more here when it comes to rosters, etc. You'll see in just a moment when we get to the topic. But I think it's fair to set things up with, I guess, the big thing that happened. And Stein, you know this very well. You were there yourself, which... I'm very happy. I was, I, was. I was there too, right? I, at some point, I didn't know if I was actually, uh, you know, heading there given the state of trains here in Germany. But we made it, and that was the Berlin Major. It was a hell of an event. Almost two thousand people packed in at the Theater am Potsdamer Platz in the city center, and the I guess the crowd chants were okay. They could be better, but they were a lot better than we had in Charlotte, to be fair. (laughs) In the final, things were much (laughs) better. Yes, the final and the exit versus road game also started to to bring some more creative chance out. But before that, it was much of the same. I have to agree. So, you know, you made it there, Stein. And I want to ask you about your experiences. Obviously, for those that may not be familiar, for some reason, I mean, you should know who this man already is. Stein is one of our wonderful commentators and part of the talent team here in EU League and APAC North, but also for international events. He's in pretty much regularly in all of our shows with Fluke, with Emmy, that's usually by your side, and casting. May I say both of you looked fantastic in Berlin up there on your, on your little podium watching over us as always. So I want to hear your impressions because I wasn't there physically for the group stage. Uh, I was yeah. only invited until basically the day before the event and i wanted to hear you know, how was how were things for you during the groups because we saw that video that emmy recorded also during the group so it seemed like there was a lot of fun things happening despite the heat 
I like how, like, by the way, in that video, the only shot of me was me being in makeup and hating my life because I really don't like makeup. <laughs> I wasn't in there, so there. there you go. That's that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, the, the group stage was uh, actually quite fun because, like, we had a balcony up here and then we had the balconies up on the other side with, like, a giant gap in between. Mm-hmm. And the players were on this side, but we're on that side. So when we were casting, we could just quickly look over to see what team was shouting that was going on on the other stream at the same time. So but it was very easy to keep lost track. was not thrown into the pit. No, we didn't throw them into the pit quite yet. It is, it, apparently, there is some legal problems with that. I did propose it to uh, to Ubisoft, but they say only if you take the responsibility for it, which I didn't want to either. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm surprised your budgets are usually sky high, high <laughs> but I guess legal always wins, right? In this case, yes. I don't think it was a smart idea to toss them off four high into the pit. That's uh, needed a lot Fair of foam. <laughs> Fair enough. There'll be a net next time at the event, just in case. Mm. But uh, I mean, you guys had some pretty sweet spaces. I, I got to see them because I came in kind of halfway through the last day of group stage. And I saw um, how your setups were, that you actually had a button to turn down the lights when you were casting, which is amazing. We did, yes. That's, those are things that make your life so much easier when you're commentating, especially when it's so warm in, uh, in Berlin at that time. The thing is, it's so humid, and every time I came back, like I walked the staircase, and like some sweat would break out, and the makeup artists were like, "Oh, please don't do this! Stop walking these staircases!" I'm like, "Well, I have to." <laughs> so those lights, they were definitely a big saver of uh, of the sweat. You got your glutes workout during the uh, during the event. <laughs> definitely did. It was a lot of staircases to walk, so uh, I think of it like fifteen thousand steps each day whilst casting, which is insane. Normally, don't reach that much. So yeah. yeah. Normally, you mostly sit down and then move in between. Obviously, it's very draining on your brain when you're going through it, but not as much on your legs because you're not, you know, usually walking up and down stairs all day. But hey, that's um, it's fun times. And, you know, you got to cast quite a few of the matches. You know, you were four duos. They're casting it. Intero later went back home after the groups and the Pengo was left for the desk. I had to deal with him that level but i want to ask your impressions about the groups of course we had 16 teams four teams from yep. every single region made it uh, four teams in each group and there was one team from every single region within it which really gave us some pretty uh, cool matches and exit rogue the i guess new kids on the glo- block in group a moved on nip and damwon left in the dust damwon disappointing through yes. the event so i want to ask your opinion on at least that group first i mean the fact that rogue went through i kind of expected like i had them in second or third place of that group so i wasn't too surprised it was good to see them in the form they were but i did expect damon kia to do a lot better than they did um and i think like i was as disappointed as all the others that they were unable to pick up any points up until like the last day or something where they finally managed to get a win but like we really want them to do better and they know themselves they can do better as well. So there's just something right there at this moment in time that doesn't work out internationally. Maybe teams figured them out and they need to revitalize their game. So we'll get to see during stage three. Um, NIP, I mean, they were in the fight until the very last day. So of a team that basically had the same odds as G2s and make it to the major, you cannot be too disappointed for them ending up in that third place eventually. And except they just... Well, they surprised a lot of people, I think, and put up a really strong performance in that group. I mean, you say surprised. It's it's more the surprise of NIP and Damon not doing 
better given yeah. you know, I guess their experience at this point. Exed just continuing to do what Exed has been doing at NAL and over the past six months. It's very impressive what the team uh, has kind of been up to recently. And that's group A on to B, G2, number one in the group face clan, the eventual, I guess, um, grand finalists of the event in there, Sandbox and Sonics uh, being knocked out of the tournament. Sandbox, I mean, yeah, similar issues, I guess, to what they've having through the stage. I know because we talk about them all the time in APAC North. Mm-hmm. But Sonics also being knocked out. And that was a kind of knock on the ego now as this was, I guess, the last dance of Super before retiring. It was, right? And he came up against uh, G2 as well, where they lost the opportunity to make it through to playoffs. So, you know, there was already some some beef going on before there, some small drama, and that only uh, expanded a little bit after those games. So um, it, was, it was definitely a fun game to watch. And even though Sonics ended up in fourth, I um, did have to say I expected the outcome of this group. Mm-hmm. Just that phase would have been on top and G2 would have been in second is the only change I would have made. So. For me, it went quite like it would be expected. Um, but yeah, there was definitely still some upsets in some of the games. Fair enough, fair enough. And of course, uh, was it a couple days ago? And we're seeing this off the day of filming. Um, so it might have been a week since uh, this was actually out, but Super had a thread on Twitter and a lot of people kind of responding. It reminded me of like 2010 Facebook posts or you know whatever but still this was the thing that happened you want to hear from a very experienced player what they think yeah. about you and you know citizen responded to it and i think it was pretty clear there's a lot of respect uh for for citizen and what he does but also pointing out the issues that he has had that he actually acknowledged uh in how he communicates and all that during games and sometimes the anger that you have to manage in between them, super pointed that out, is very fair. But otherwise, you know, it's it's fair things to say that I guess everybody knows are kind of real at this point. And hearing it from someone so experienced as super as he kind of steps away from uh, in-game competition is pretty good to pretty good to see because you know there is a lot to learn from. Uh, a man like him. Now, going on to Group C, W7M and Wolves. Out of groups, OXG and Game and Gladiators. I'll say Game and Gladiators knocked out not the biggest surprise the first time. It's a big surprise that they made it. But yeah. OXG also unable to move through to playoffs? Hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's the reason, right? But whilst we were there, uh, we were actually all out for dinner with Laxing and then the uh, the article dropped that CDG mm-hmm. posted that he supposedly would be replaced at the end of the stage. Um, now, back then there was no real like replies being sent into it from OXG, like denial even at some point. Uh, but in the end, of course, we did see that it is true and Laxing has departed from the team. So you always wonder like how much of an influence did this have? Like the decision was made before the major started. Mm-hmm. How much of a, like in effect would that have on the performance of the team? And I know Laxing, he gave it his all. Like He didn't slow down or anything because he still wants to play. He still wants to compete. So um, he gave it his all, but you cannot but help and think that there must have been some friction there at that moment in time, knowing that one player was already well, basically halfway outside the door. It's completely understandable. And then W7M making it out, I guess the yeah. young kids on the block, the complete opposite side of even play style and age and everything to face clan, which a lot of people would consider the number two team in, or number one team in Brazil, number one, number two team uh, globally currently, of course, after the 
the major. And then again, if you watch that grand final, it literally could have been either rogue or phase. So that's, yeah. you know, that's a couple things to put out there. Wolves making it out. Not surprising seeing how they've been competing during EU well, but what about the nitty gritty of the matches app? Did you notice anything that kind of looked off in, you know, the qualification? Well, if if we look at Wolves, four of their games went to overtime at the six they played, and they won three of those uh, in OT, lost only one. So that's how they managed to get the points eventually. It's like it, it could have been a bit more convincing, like a bit more confident, maybe. Like the teams were pretty well prepared for them and were able to push them all the way through. And if we look at the matches, 8-7 against Gaming Gladiators, a team that was literally playing international for the very first time. Um, if that's your opening game, you're already losing a point that everybody would have expected you to have. Yeah. Um, then they also had an 8-6 against Gaming Gladiators the very next day, an 8-7 victory against W7M, and an 8-7 loss against Oxygen. So they really went all the way for the majority of those group stages. Um, and like doesn't really set you up with a lot of confidence going for playoffs after that no not at all and you you can see it in the round differential which is not something we usually get to talk about but i've kind of applied in other ways in other shows also looking at w7m with a plus 17 round differential plus two for wolves which means that yes the point separation is only six points you could easily cover that like hey you know, winning a couple games here and there. Maybe they had lost a couple games and you don't really get to see the whole story of it. But actually what this means with such a massive round differential between them is that Wolves have a massive problem in closing out games. And you see it in the scores when you look at 8-7, 8-6, like, dude, this should not be happening. There is something to look at. And I'm wondering how they're going to go back and fix that come stage three because Wolves definitely want to see themselves in at the next major, which we still have no clue where that major or how that major will be functioning. We just know that it'll be the same as Berlin when it comes to, well, it's four teams from each region that qualify and then two from APAC North, two from South, like we've had in stage two. That's basically all we know at this point. Then moving on to Group D, Stein. Furia and Elevate. I guess both teams that that have won so many people's hearts uh, overall, but also two other teams that have won many hearts over the past six plus months, Eminem and Astralis knocked out. What are your thoughts? Eminem, I kind of expected, if I'm brutally honest, the way they came into the major after this way stage two ended didn't give me too much confidence in them. They struggled to get a single point against the two Russian teams who were at that time lowest rated in European league to get it a secret. So, they should have been able to pick up six rounds, but it really struggled with that up until the final play day when they finally managed to get it and then lost the game afterwards. So never really gave me much confidence in their game to go up to the major. Um, Astralis, I'm quite disappointed by. They ended, of course, second in Charlotte. Would have expected them to be making it out of groups and then Fury or Elevate to be the second team to make it out. But mm-hmm. instead, Astralis just completely knocked around in the entire group, not really standing a chance. Like four losses, one overtime loss and one overtime win doesn't spell too too much like good news for them uh, heading into stage three. No, not at all. And maybe it could always be, hey, now we're facing, you know, three different play styles in the group. Something that, you know, was not really the case when 
you look back at Charlotte and how things went down, it was a lot of NA teams that they were going through also, which they're very familiar with. But here you don't have any of that kind of safe base ground to look at, right? You're fit yep. immediately going in and you have three different regions that you're facing off against that have three different ways of playing. And that takes time to adapt to if you haven't really had that experience many times before. I think if I'm even correct, Astralis mostly played NA teams in the Charlotte That's Major. Right. Like yes. they won from Dark Zero Grand Final, uh, lost from Dark Zero Grand Final. Sorry. Um, then they played Oxygen on the Saturday before. They played Exet, won that one as well. Um, then they won against. I have to say yeah, this correctly. Groups. Yeah, Chiefs in groups. Okay. Um, they lost from BDS and they won from Wolves. So it's like, you know, they win most of their North American games, but they did struggle in the groups itself. So the like lack of knowledge of how the other playstyle works is probably what handicapped them here, having played so much NA games uh, at Charlotte as well. Yeah, I mean, you always have to look back at that experience. Of course, you get to the grand finals, you kind of have that experience imprinted in your brain, right? It takes you time to dissociate from it and reset for your next event, especially when you went to the final. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. It takes a lot of time to be introspective and recognize what has happened and be able to decipher it yourself. It, It definitely does take time. But then... We went on to our playoffs bracket. Xset played Wolves. Rogue played G2. W7M played Elevate and Furia played Face Clan. I have to give the shoutouts, though, still to G2 because at the end of the stage, we're like, hey, G2, they're literally 200 meters down the street. And not even joking. 300 meters, if you're accounting for the last legs that they actually have to go through inside of the venue to get to the uh, to get to their player yeah. areas. And they still actually did it. The absolute mad lads, Carlos, madman as always, hired a limo to to get them across the street, basically. Yeah, I mean, he they, they, he took your words, he heard them, and he's like, you know what? Well, we do get that limousine. That. That's that's no, the baller. At least your voice is in there, so <laughs> people will be able to recognize it. But yeah, no, they struggled. Um, they came up from like five percent uh, in EU and then managed to go on like a five win streak or something, winning everything in regulation, yep. making sure they qualify. It's not a run we see very often. It's probably one of the most dominant runs we've seen today. If you, of course, take into account like next to the BDS almost flawless runs, for example. So them being able to return after such poor form and qualify for the major, make it out of groups as well, that is massive. And I think they only need to get eighth place or something this year, this stage to make sure they qualify for the sixth invitational. Like that, that's how much they have gained yep. by turning that season around. So they qualified to two majors and they made it yeah. to playoffs in both majors. That, that true guarantees you practically guarantees you. It's like 99.99%, but you know, they can finish the job if they just get eighth place this uh, this stage. Don't even need to go to a major. Of course, they want to, but they don't have to. But yeah, as you say, that's going to be the conversation piece through um, the start of EU League, which is going to be, hey, who can actually make it to Sixth Invitational? And especially now that officially we have Sperbuni part of the stats team. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, Raf. And Raf, that's true. 
and you know they can turn around and kind of give us all the details and numbers that we need to set up the correct storylines for every event instead of just turning to Hap and him in the middle of a cast needing to pull all the numbers together in three well, minutes. It was me turning to Sprabuni then as well, and then him running the calculations. That's well, how now it's officially, been working the past couple of years. Now officially it can just happen, so I'm very happy about it. Uh, still, uh, just on the topic of G2 to wrap it all up, this is all considering Shas was on his way out as coach, yep. which now is officially out. And also Prano, have, you know, we already knew that he was out at that point. He knew it himself. It's basically the moment they qualified for Berlin. It's like, well, the change is going to happen regardless. So here we are. And, you know, given all of that, they still pushed Rogue to the edge on overtime on both maps that they played. That's pretty darn impressive. It could have been G2 moving forward. Honestly, you flip a coin and it's either or. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Xset playing Wolves before that and Wolves you know, having some struggles on there. Couldn't even get to the point where they could say, okay, well, we're struggling to close the game. But what what did you see? Who was, who was casting this one? They don't have the, the print on it. No, that was me. It was you? Yeah. Well, there you go. Good, correct. Stein, what what did you think about this game, you know, casting I mean, in from your point of view? I can just say the crowd was very silent throughout the majority of that game. And that kind of tells you what you need to know. Um, Axel was clearly in control. Uh, Wolves was able to put like the odd round in there and, you know, left, right and center, but not quite being able to take that under their own wing, like make sure that they are the ones leading, pushing towards match point. It's like, yeah, seven five, seven four might sound quite close, but if you looked at the game, Xset was clearly in control, so you don't really need to like look at it that way. And, and again, that comes down from what we saw earlier in the groups where Wolves was kind of struggling. Um, and if you look at the stats, I mean, P4 had an amazing series. Right? It went like seven, uh, 27 on 16, Shinka went 20 on 17, but all the rest was like negative, almost like minus 10, whereas mm-hmm. all of Xset was massively positive or close to like zero so in kills as well except they were just leading didn't really have a worry um and wolves just unable to truly reply to it so again might have to do with like the poorer form that wolves had coming into the groups and then going towards the playoffs whereas x said of course they have been dominating their group but only a single loss against rogue Fair enough. and then uh, on the opposite end of set of bracket w7m playing elevate that really got close. I mean, if there was an exciting game and people in the venue loved it, this was it. I mean, we had all four games on that day. A G2 Rogue, people were on their feet. W7M and Elevate was the same case. When you looked at Cafe, you're like, oh my God, this they're, they're really shitting the bed here. This is not supposed to happen. And then mm-hmm. Elevate, bring it back, bring it then to an OT play on border. That was very impressive for this, for you know, the yeah. APAT squad. It's pretty, pretty impressive. It was. And truly, I would have hoped that Elevate would have gone through, at least make it to semis. It would have been a very tough fight for them against FaZe, but not one I think was going to be unwinnable for them. Mm-hmm. But it's like whenever Cafe happened, it's like, okay, they're lagged down for the remainder of these series. Like W7M, they play with so much confidence. They were able to just stop whatever Elevate was tossing at them. Like the tricks that worked against every other team they played against in the groups weren't working anymore suddenly. So they had to adapt. And oh, a little bit too late, unfortunately. Of course, Border could have gone the other way around, but it's like yeah. the damage is already done after Cafe. Yeah, unfortunately so. Well, then finally, we went to Furia versus FaZe Clan. And again, a tight game, unfortunately. 
because it was all BR, uh, yeah. most of the fans kind of left. It got pretty late at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it started around, what, 8.30 officially. Um, so I could understand, especially it's the first day. If you're a fan that has never been to a Rainbow Six event, the event is obviously the matches are a massive yeah. part of it, but another massive part is the experience meeting people there that you might have spent, you know, the past three years playing video games with and competing maybe in your own small leagues or just playing Siege with them online mm-hmm. from home. You get to meet them for the first time and you kind of want to go out for dinner together after watching the highlight games of the day, right? But still, we got a pretty good 2 1 face clan victorious what are your thoughts i was actually casting that one as well and Mm -hmm. throughout the game there was one very very like dedicated furia fan it's the only one that was making the chance but then i found out was the analyst afterward (laughs) i felt a bit bit, (laughs) upset because i kept on calling him like the dedicated fan and then people were like oh yeah that was the analyst in the crowd that was like (laughs) exactly (laughs) so i was like oh Oh, that's a shame. But yeah, no, FaZe, I mean, they were in control, only really pushed uh, to the wire on the chalet, but the rest didn't really have a big struggle with uh, with Furia. And that's kind of as expected. I mean, everybody put FaZe as like the top of their list, or at least the top three contender for this major, and they lived up to it throughout the entirety of the tournament. So like Furia, they usually never made it out of groups. The fact that they made it out of groups is already a big win for them, and then they met their like big brother phase who just decided you know here and no further we're here to uh to get another top three finish or maybe even another win whenever no 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 group stage like oh hey your time's not <laughs> not your time's on i take it from here now as i don't do that now <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, FaZe went up against W7M right after, and FaZe mm-hmm. still, you talked about having control over the game. They definitely looked like they did in that matchup. Yeah, they did again. I mean, it's all the Brazilian matchups, and FaZe is just probably one of the most experienced teams currently that we have in Brazil. Uh, otherwise, there may be NIP, but NIP has been in a bit of a that slump, hasn't been able to make it out of groups. And, you know, you find FaZe when Liquid isn't here either, just smashing the other Brazilian teams into pieces. Like, didn't really have like any struggle with them whatsoever. So another 2-0 victory. Again, just proving that they were here to be a tournament favorite. And at the top, Rogue versus Accent, I have to say. Watching Bank going <laughs> 7-1 to Accent, like, no way. No way. Yeah. Rogue are bottling this. Again, like I, I was on that cast and I saw the seven one. I'm like, please, I want to do a like a bit of a longer semi final. <laughs> I don't want to go for a seven one seven one uh, to come through. But Broke did manage to bring back and really have to give credit to uh, the staff, like Sathus, uh, Sathus, um, okay. Bernie, and Meepy, of the way that they were able to to get together with the guys and and bring them back together, like make the mood shift and. You know, the fact is they did not scrim during the entire tournament. Other teams made like 10-hour days. They just chilled. They they went out for some nice, like some nice steak. They went out for some nice dinner, did some some relaxing activities, and it worked out for them. So you, you have to give credit where credit is due to the uh, support staff of Indeed saying like, hey, it is better to keep all that focus and all that fire for the actual games and make sure that you're just not stressed heading into uh, well, even the grand final. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rogue, they, uh, they surprised a lot of people with the resilience they showed in that game. I mean, that Oregon was 
a perfect statement to end it all on. Yeah, yeah U7-1 does on bank, but by the time Rogue got their machine up and running, it was 7-1 on Oregon. They took control, game was over, and that was a good way to start off our day. I have to say the semifinals day was much easier on us. Um, mm-hmm. Quarterfinals day was a very long one. Uh, it was like 16 hours in studio and broadcast. Um I'll tell you, it was a very exhausting day. I didn't even know how, how I went through that day this way. But in the final, which yep. we're all thinking, damn, this is really going to be it. Stein, it couldn't have been more back and forth. It was in, the in longest my, final. In my opinion, this was the most entertaining and yep. the most... Um, I guess the the most storylined matchup and final we've ever had at a major. The only game that is able to come close to it is obviously like the two invitational games that will always mm. be in my head, which is obviously Penta versus EG 2018 or NIP versus SSG SI 2020, which I also believe to be one of the, uh, if you were to tell me what are the top three best of fives or best games in the history of Siege that I should go back and rewatch, these are the three games. It's I agree. It's for yeah. the major, Grand Final, Rogue versus FaZe, Penta versus EG 2018, Six Invitational, and Six Invitational 2020, SSG versus NIP. Simple as that. But I will also have to preface this as, and this is hot take. I'll see okay. if you agree with me. If Rogue didn't have a European audience and weren't playing in Europe, they probably wouldn't have won that major. Maybe. I mean, they did play a lot with the audience itself. You saw Kanto, like, uh, joining in the wave it's every band Kanto that went in. You know? Kanto's this even going in. Go, go watch, like, any Finnish F1 or rally car driver. They are yeah. the coldest people. They will- Go watch Kimi Raikkonen. That tells you all you need to know. <laughs> like- I'm glad that Kanto doesn't open up that kind of worms on broadcast if we ever have him on. But, you know, fair, fair enough. It, even Kanto was super excited. You had Spoit on there that was going mad. And I have to say, Leon was all over it. Everybody was kind of... Everybody was dropping on the floor every time Crying flexed his muscles just a bit. <laughs> and Leon was just really cool. Now, Overall. you weren't there, but when the signing session happened afterwards, like Crying walked into the room, all the fans, you know, after the grand finals, like almost midnight, were just standing there in a row and they started chanting in German, uh, take off your shirt. <laughs> and he just did it. He just did it. He did it for the flex there. So, yeah, everybody uh, took some pictures who could, <laughs> but he definitely lived for it there to flex all those muscles. But so, again, you know, let's not forget Biggie T. Also. No, don't forget Big E.T. Definitely not. The man came up from the Benelux. I even played against him, I believe. Oh, so well. I know MVP is Leon, but you could put any one of them on there. And mm-hmm. I would argue for Deepak probably could have pulled off the MVP of that game. I think if it was EPS, then it was Deepak who managed to get the, the MVP for that game. So it, it's like like Spoit, Leon, Deepak, they were all so close together right there and crying not far behind. Same for Kanto. Everybody was just fired up on Rogue. You cannot you cannot deny it. It's like everybody was performing there. Everybody showed up. But that's just what you need. You cannot have a single player deciding to, you know what, it's, it's my time to rest a little bit. Mm-hmm. And of course, that can happen for a map you know, in, especially in the best of five, as long as you make up for it. But all you have yep. to do is like look at look at their ratings. Everyone, like both on phase and on rogue, all around that one mark. Like cyber, even he's around one. 
the man had like 56 kills. He broke his own record for a best of five most kills, most kills in a major, and he's still on the one mark. It shows you how close that game was. Yep. Uh, it, it really was back and forth between them. And it, I say it came down to the last moment, literally to the last moment on club. It did, yes. I couldn't believe that there was no Claymore on Oil Pit. I was literally standing there, Emmy right <laughs> next to me, and we we were just the whole group, I guess, sitting right next to one another. Yeah, yeah, I was, was next to you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hap was next to me. Uh, uh, we had uh, James next to us, Mandy, also the whole team was, it was just everybody standing. but Desin Ace was standing we right there happy. with Ubisoft as well. Yeah, we were right underneath their booth, by the way. So you might yeah. actually hear his blue through instead. We, we were standing like right there in the middle of it all, practically, at least I guess by the door because we all had to run on stage right after. But yeah. my god, the fact when when you saw that. Oh my God, he's going on up oil pit, and there's no claimer. Like, no, 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 no. This is not how FaZe lose. And they made a massive mistake. Nobody watching that space. No, not just that. Bar stage, round yes. 15, deciding whether or not you win the major title or not. Ballsy. I mean, if, if we look at that game, right? Bar and stage had incredible win rates for them. So you cannot, you cannot fault them for it. But it's like bar stage. That, that is like. It's not, it's not a sight you see very often. And yeah. I mean, we're starting to see it more and more. It's better than CCTV cash to some extent. There's a small mistake in CC. That's the end of your round already. So I get, get why they did it, but it's still like that site went from not being played ever to being played so much over the course of just like half a year and they managed to win it there. So um, I was very happy and very proud. For, so. it for trying to recognize that that moment was open and he could sneak behind yeah. and do the damage. And the moment that he did, that was absolutely incredible. And FaZe looked like they had no clue how to deal with it. They, they didn't even recognize it at that point. And FaZe were looking for a second trophy in what, less than a year and what, mm-hmm. nine months. So of course this team had won the November major in Sweden last year and they were looking for another trophy. It's, you know, they were so, so close uh, to get, you know, two out of three, they didn't qualify for Charlotte in the meantime and everybody performed incredibly well on face. It was just that small difference. And in my opinion, the audience that really pushed Rogue over the it's edge. Six men. It's, it's like someone else. To, you don't need to give motivational speeches during a tactical time. I have the audience that does that for you, right? It's like yeah. they all cheer for you. So must have been very intimidating for FaZe as well to uh, to play against, of course. I mean, they're, they're experienced in it. But when it's been so long since yeah. we've had an audience, you don't account for it in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely not. If, if this was back, you know... SI21, where there was no audience in Paris and it was just you and the game and your teammates, uh, I, I don't even know if Rogue would have made it out of quarters. But because of how we are here, that changes things, which is how you know, you're supposed to adapt to it anyways. You, know, you can't keep blaming it on, well, there was audience, there was no audience. You, you have to deal with it. And the way the players were seated, I know is not a good place to take photos of, but it was a good place for them to be to kind of push them away from the extra noise that would be coming from the audience. Because if you're, if you're standing up there and you're competing, 
you really can't hear as much as you think you can if you if you've never mm-hmm. been in there because of how the audio is set up it blasts the audio into the stage and not into where the players are it creates an isolating barrier you're really protected from the extra noise i couldn't even hear myself casting like that's how loud the crowd was during some of those games it's like the the, the crowd is so loud it, it's it's just insane rogue really uh really managed to win them over especially after the g2 game because i have to say g2 rogue there was more people cheering for g2 than they were for rogue but after they won from Xset, it was like they won the final already. Like people yeah, hailed like, them yeah, as we're, champions. We're running with Rogue. Every fan you would meet with, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm going full on Rogue. I just want Europe to win. Good. 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 We won. That we're no longer good. trash. Now we Milos. can finally say that <laughs> Europe has won. I'm very happy about it. And what is it? We had three teams that made it into the three teams from Europe out of the four that made it into the playoffs. Pretty good, right? That's that's yeah. good. Um, except, you know, they made it through. They had one and a team. There was an APAC team and there were three uh, Brazilian squads. Yep. And it was technically four. And NA didn't get a team in there, but... Sh- you know, <laughs> we did tell them, sh- don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it, honestly, I think we got a decent chunk of variety and diversity in how everything kind of went down and the amount of teams that we had from all the regions. The I don't know. I think it was a very successful event and I really hope that the viewers that were watching it from home or, of course, even more to the ones that were there in person really enjoyed it. Because, I mean, for me, this was the first event with an audience that I got to host since Invitational 2020. And I have to say, I've been kind of depressed in that time because we we went off the biggest stage, you know? It's a massive stage. We yeah, have yeah. over 4,000 fans, full house, massive final, one of the most entertaining finals we've ever had in NIP versus SSG. And then, hey, I'm just casting from home and I'm doing it for the next two years and it really sucks, you know? What do you what do you think of like me and Emmy, for example? Like we both got into EU at the moment the pandemic hit. Like we've never cast to a crowd yeah. until Charlotte. So it's like... Oh, I really want to cast in front of a crowd. I want. I want to be playing with them. I may. I abuse it maybe a bit too much. I. Uh, I, I give into the bias. I totally go with the crowd. What the crowd That's wants it. is what I want. <laughs> I play along with it. Uh, but yeah, no. It's. It's. It is so much like more of a different game. You don't even need to bring your own energy. The crowd will bring it for you. Right. It's like you can just yeah. pull it out of the air, suck it in, and just throw it back out at them, and it will work. And it's just an amazing experience. It uh, it definitely was so. I'm I'm very happy with how the event turned out. Um, I think everybody did incredibly well there, and big thanks to the players that made this uh, this major. Because you can be the best caster in the world, or the best host, or best analyst, or whatever. But if the players aren't giving it their all, then yeah. you can't really do your job. And it's because of them that you're able to kind of show off your own skills in commentary or in analysis or, you know, in telestration, even if you're fresh and talking about it. So uh, big thanks to all the players that really gave it their all, every single one of them, Rubisoft putting it together, production team, and of course to the talent team, which is a pretty, pretty decent sized talent team, not as big as Invitational when we're all in Sweden. That was absolutely massive. I would love to see more of that, but it, it really was good having... 
everybody on there. You know, I, I missed a few people. I'm sure we all missed one another. So wanted to spend some time together also. So yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Did you have? I, I definitely did. Um, and still, like I was watching uh, the, the reveal, for example, I was watching that in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it's just the, the most weird things you would have not expected to, like we get to see the reveal beforehand, right? So I already saw it, but I was after that going into the crowd to, to, listen and like something came up like suppressors no longer have a damage nerf and everybody went wild it's like wow this is the best change ever yes wow we get a new operator and like everybody's so happy about the suppressors being uh being like buffed to some extent so oh yes it, it is funny it's, how it's the works. small things that maybe i mean look you want to get a crowd to really get hyped when you're at that event look Ubisoft, <laughs> i know you already know this i don't, you don't need to tell you no you don't even need to do that literally show a floating like moving screenshot of a map it can literally be anything just transition from one slide to the other oh. <laughs> it, it's incredible so that was kind of our ideas in here we're moving on to the 40 minute mark or something which uh, you know, you mentioned the season and some patch notes and changes. So what about we yeah. talk about that for just a moment before I move on to the transfers. Brutal Swarm is coming near you. Oh, no, the bees, not my eyes. It's happening. Grim is uh, coming in. It looks hot as hell, uh, not going to lie. But uh, overall, I think uh, his utility is going to be pretty sick in comp play because he directly goes into comp play as of what a yeah. few days from now in EU League. Exactly. As soon as the season will hit, it is going to be Grim and the Cowan Hive launcher that will be making its way through. And for those of you that didn't watch the reveal, you can either go do that now or you listen to this quick explanation. It's basically a bazooka that you have over the shoulder that doesn't fire explosive rounds like you might imagine. It fires like a, a hive, one that, yeah, exactly, like, like you do with your water. Um, it, fi- it fires a hive which releases bees and if you are in the swarm at the moment it releases it will give you a like permanent ping to some extent like it's it's just live tracking you like old line would do for example so if you if you have a reference point you do now if you then exit the swarm it is going to be uh just three quick pings like you have from a prisma or a jekyll track so um you can hide after that new gemmers cancel it Something to keep in mind, Mute is getting buffed basically every single season because of all the operators that come out with like the high-tech stuff. So uh, I think we might actually see some Mute bands coming in to make sure that this operator will work. I mean, that, that would make even more sense, right? And, you know, sense, haha, came uh-huh. out last, uh, last season, last stage, and we got to see sense in play, but not as much. It really depends on the region. Uh, you know, you can combo sense with Grim also. There's a lot of kind of zoning potential between mm-hmm. these two operators. I guess zoning is the overall vibe of 2022 in uh, Rainbow Six. So very excited to see how this all goes. Of course, for our next operation, will be in November, as always. It'll be announced during the next uh, major event. So I'm very excited to see how those go. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, that's one thing. On to another major change, a new gadget, the yeah. Impact EMP Grenade. I know there's a lot of Thatcher fans out there. I'm one of them, AR-33 angle grip, you know, all day, every day. I know mm-hmm. they nerfed the angle, but I'm still on it. And now you got an Impact EMP. How does that work, Stan? 
Okay, so first of all, a lot of people are like, no, this is replacing Thatcher. I don't think that's the case. If anything, I think it will help Thatcher because everybody bans him now because the EMPs are just like, there's no good way to counter them. So what do we do instead? We bring a mini EMP that will not have the same range. It's a smaller range. It's a shorter duration as well than Thatcher's EMP grenade. So Thatcher will always reign supreme. Mm -hmm. uh, but it will be available as a third gadget option. So we'll not remove any smokes, grenades, or you know all that kind of stuff. And it will be added to Blackbeard, Montaigne, Dokabee, Nuck, Gritlock, Sledge, Line, and Ossa. Um, some of those already have a really good place in the meta. Like if you look at Sledge, for example, if you look at Nuck, if you look at Ossa, and they'll be able to throw it like an impact nade, and it will just destroy or disable whatever's on the other side. And because of this, I think we'll see a lot less sledge ban, uh, Thatcher banning going on, because there's other operators that can do the job now. So I think, if anything, it's going to be allowing everybody to play more Thatcher in the future. So the Thatcher fans should actually be happy with this change. The good comparison point is looking at the can openers that we got uh, what, yes. almost over a year ago, or almost a yeah, year something ago. something like that. Something yeah. like a year ago uh, in the game where you could have the secondary heart breach gadget. And that was a great addition. It didn't break the metagame. It actually changed it in a cool way where heart breachers are definitely being played all the freaking time. But you have the option of you can bring an extra bit. Or if it's a map that doesn't require yeah. two full heart breachers, you can bring one heart breacher in the ace and then you can bring somebody else. Like a buck, for example, like yeah, just, soft just breach and hard breach. With, with some hatches, right? Then you yeah. can leave the ace to open up the wall. So you have more options because we have so many operators. You're not going to go, I guess, the Overwatch way where every single operator does one specific thing and that's it. No, you, you kind of have to lean into the variety and it makes a lot of sense. In it's different space. ways to do the same thing. Yes, basically. But obviously, those different ways are also different how they're applied because you have a specialist and mm -hmm. then other people that are not specialized in the same way. It just kind of allows more crossbreeding between all of these operators and more flexibility in your setups. Allows attackers to also be way more reactive, which plays into uh, repick, et cetera, et cetera. Man, defenders are really not having a good time uh, nowadays. But uh, weapon recoil is being changed up. And this time, recoil changes are dependent on your platform. If you're on PC, you got different yeah. recoil changes than the people that are on console. I'm very happy that that's happening. And it's because the two systems are different and acknowledging that there are differences is a good way to fixing issues that arise specifically for one platform or mm -hmm. the other. Uh, unless you play mouse and keyboard on console, in which case, come on, man. Come on, just get a light. Go touch yeah. some grass. Um, but new recall system on PC, which is, I guess, where we kind of work on things. How, what do you think of those? I think it's a good change. Uh, it will make some old like weapons viable again. The R4C and the M762, which is a Zofia assault rifle, will become more viable again due to this change. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're getting to see some Ash Mains again coming mm -hmm. professional season. Uh, but LMGs are going to be receiving an additional stage of recoil, which will mean they'll take extra amounts like of control that you need to actually fire accurately. And um, this change is aimed to make sure that you go for burst fire instead of like long triggers um, to try and get like 
you know, like 10, 15 shots out at a time rather than the full 100 walking into the site. So LMGs do receive a what, what do you think on that? Because uh, I'll let you let you go on it. What, what are your thoughts on like, how will this impact LMG meta? Uh, I think we'll still see LMGs, right? Uh, they're like for the first 30 bullets, probably just as good as, a, as an assault rifle is. After that, it starts to get a bit too insane. Uh, you need a bit more skill. You need to practice that a bit more to control it properly. It's not going to be removing the LMGs from the meta, that, that's for sure. However, with this, other alternatives are being given out again. Like, Zofia will be receiving an M762 that's actually going to be useful now and doesn't require, like, absurd amount of, like, recoil control, which mm-hmm. means that pros might actually go back to the AR, which was, like, basically like ruling siege together with the r4c before the lmgs became meta so it is going to be interesting to see i think we'll see more weapon variety uh, especially with this and especially if you look into how uh, attachments are going to be changing recall effectively now as well and every attachment will be available in every single weapon hard to scopes we might even see weapons we never saw before suddenly become useful due to that change so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how many new weapons will be uh see used over the season yeah allowing uh more and more weapon attachments i guess for for everybody and this is specific uh, not specific to a console or to Mm -hmm. a pc it's for everybody everybody gets this just in the future if there needs to be recoil changes that are specific to a certain platform then those can be done easier and more directly by the team at ubisoft that's working on it which i mean makes a lot of sense personally i think the lmg change should just come with more more horizontal recoil from the start. There is, and vertical as well. So it is going to be start, double difficult. So, from the start, it's like, I mean, then the LMGs... change since the beginning. Or since no, what of, course, of course. I mean, it's going to be different after 30 bullets. So the first, like, 30 bullets of an LMG are going to be the same as an assault rifle. The big it change is that... over 30 bullets to, to get somebody with an LMG... Yeah, no, I agree. But the thing is, if you, if you make the first shot of an LMG like impossible, like the first 10, then mm-hmm. an AR is always going to be better because you're always going to be trying to kill someone in the first 10 shots, which, you know, is maybe a bit too too rough on the LMGs. If balancing is very, very difficult because you don't want to make something useless after it's been like this, this useful for this long. You, you need to find a way to just slowly balance it out with the rest and take some time. But I'm sure Ubisoft have uh, thought it through. Well, uh, Hap, I'm I'm really I'm really happy that you didn't kind of get more elitist about it because we all know your experience as an ex comp player. Uh, when you can say well, you don't need thirty bullets, you only need five, and that's the whole round. So yeah, five for the whole round. Much. The 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 humility is always uh, is always there. Thank you very much, Stan Hoppers. Um, yeah, now for reputation penalties. If you're being an ass. In game, stop. First of all, you're the problem. Yeah. Thank you. Honestly, re-examine yourself for just a moment. But if you're being abusive in text chat, audio, whatever, you can you can get the penalty. But also, if you get that penalty, which will automatically mute you, people will have to choose to unmute you if they would like to hear something from you or whatever. So these are kind of changes that will just protect players that's that's what it's called it's player protection right uh you can also report cheaters in match replays which is pretty cool if you go and load up mm-hmm. the replay you're like okay this is 
This is like CSGO Overwatch days, pretty much. Would you go on, you see, oh, somebody's being real sus in here, and you can kind of report them through. A new permanent map has been added to the rotation. One of my favorite maps ever in Rainbow Six Siege. Stadium of 2021 or 2021 version. Yeah, again, Stadium Bravo. One it's, of my uh, the coastline border version, I believe. Yes, in my opinion, the best map in Siege. Uh, I, I really have to say, I love coast and border individually, maybe not as much, but when combined together, you combine their strengths into one map. That what, makes sense. what if we just kick border out of the map pool, put Stadium Bravo into the map pool? I because we're already got rid of coastline, and we have two it, maps in one. I, I completely agree with you. I think get the the two kind of strengths of the or the strengths of both of those maps together into one, which is Stadium. Then we're, you already have Coastline out of there. Kickboarder out and put Stadium in there. I completely yeah. agree with you, Stein. You you're really on a roll. You're hitting every W today because uh, I completely agree with you. I'm I'm all for it. Uh, but that is available for everybody uh, yep. to uh, to play, which I'm really happy about about. Uh, you can kind of get a, what is it? Uh, you'll be able to purchase a battle pass for your friend. For friend. That's cool. So there you go. You'll get a discount on, obviously, on store purchases, et cetera. If you want to gather up all those elites once you have the, uh, the battle pass. So that's something that is pretty good to enjoy. Obviously, the year pass kind of gives you access to all of this. Uh, so you just get mm-hmm. all the battle passes for the entire year just like that. You don't have to pick and choose every single one. But even if you pick and choose, the price is still exactly the same. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's not like you know you get a better de- be- deal here or there. I know some games companies like to do that, which not cool. But here you just, hey, do I want it for the whole year because I'm playing Rainbow Six so often and I'm very dedicated to it? That's awesome. Cool. Or maybe you take a you know a season off and you're going off and playing something else or you're living your life because we also do that sometimes. And then you come back. Awesome. Good. Also, you can get the battle pass and just keep it rolling from there. Um, what is it? Um, tactical map changes. Uh, that kind of makes it mm-hmm. more comfortable for players also to kind of see how things are rotating. I really like how what they're doing with the UIs. I yep. really hope that they have even more of that in store for us in the future. And of course, operators that are older now have a price decrease. If you're someone that just plays the game and you want to, you usually just purchase operators with renown. That's awesome. The older operators are now cheaper for you. So you can come into, I don't know, Zeronic's chat and ask him, Hey, 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 which one should, you know, I'd be getting or to get flanks or supers or whatever. Yeah. Just when you like identify too, possibly as well, you know, if it's like, that's oh, true. that's a cool operator, some nice lore. It's true. Uh, you can pick, pick them up as well. I mean, every single operator has a place in the game uh, at this moment in time. Some get played a bit less, but every, every single operator has a use and you can main them for sure. So uh, when yeah. will we get Altair in the hut? Uh, now there's been an announcement, new Assassin's Creed Mirage that's coming See, out. By the way, this is not this is not part of the plug, but I, I like Assassin's Creed a lot. Uh, yeah. you know, hey, finally, uh, I remember playing AC One. Oh my God, Altair Abin La Ahad, the 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 bird son of nobody that's uh, or son of no one that's part of the the game. Finally, an Arab character for me as an Arab to kind of look towards that it's not seen or portrayed in a very negative light as was the gaming environment back in those days. Um, so very happy for it. Did uh, you know but- Capcom has a Assassin's Creed skin? 
He does. Is he, yeah. is he okay, great hood? No, it's it's like his normal colors. So it's like yeah. green, brownish. But it's like a Spetsnaz suit made into Assassin's Creed. So you like you have the the hood and all that kind of stuff. Is it a reference to a certain you know game in the series? Or I uh, don't know, but it's like at least the Assassin's Creed logo is on it as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely cool. Assassin's Creed skin. Yeah, and Ezio cool. is on filler. If you haven't seen it yet, damn. If you is if you search really fountain? well, no, he's on the he's on a city like or a town like. Out uh, and, uh, and if you take Kali with it 12 times, you look up the clock tower, you can find Ezio there. There Just you sitting. go. For those that have uh, that have played AC2, it's within the first, what, three hours of the game that you get to go to the town that you get to see from Villa, right? Um, so there you go. A lot of cool stuff. Yep. And we have a lot of cool stuff that we would like to cover, but we're kind of hitting. There's so many cool things that we get to talk about here. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I would like to keep going and talking about the transfers, but it might be worthwhile for us to talk about the transfers on the EU League broadcast. They probably uh, will have to be. Oh, yes. Uh, we will have a very long pre-show where we'll all sit down and kind of chat about all of it. So thank you very much, Hap, for joining me. Any final, yeah, thank final, you. final words to wrap up our debrief for the past few weeks of comp? The past few weeks have been amazing, but I'm more excited about what this um, new season will bring, not just because we have a new operator, but because recall changes will be coming as well. Mm -hmm. And I think those are definitely going to be bringing in some new weapons, some old loves probably reunited for the R4C and M762. So it's going to be very good to see how these uh, pro league players manage to deal with this, because I already saw some that were definitely struggling with the new uh, AR and... um, LMG recoil, so keep an eye out for those. Fair enough, and you know, if anything, Hap is a fan of the future, and what do we say about the future? The future is now. Thank you very much, Stein Happers, a friend of the show. We're going to conclude our prep phase podcast, so thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for Predator Gaming that sponsors all of this and makes it all happen, even when we are from home and not in our usual studio in EU League. That'll probably be in our next episode, but we have something cool coming up in just a moment. And you know, it's, it's going to be a different times when things are released, but we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you